Hey everybody, this is So Heidi, and you're listening to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. We all know that the fashion industry is brutally competitive and it takes loads of hard work to get ahead. The problem is that everyone's secretive and tight-lipped about their ways. After working as a designer and educator for over a decade, I wanted to help break down those barriers and bring you valuable knowledge from industry experts, and this show is exactly where you'll find that. Whether you're trying to break into the fashion world, make yourself more marketable, launch your own label, or become a successful freelancer, we'll help you get ahead in the cutthroat fashion industry. This is episode 65 of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast, and today I'm chatting with Nadia Ricketts. Nadia runs a business called Beat Woven, and what she does is so, so, so cool. She takes sound wave files from songs and converts them into repeating patterns and converts them into textiles. It is a really amazing creative process that she has been building and building and building very slowly, very meticulously, and very passionately over the past almost decade. Um, It started out as a project in college and slowly, slowly, slowly morphed into a full-time business and gig. I love all of the stuff Nadia talks about in this episode. In particular, she really shares her journey in a transparent way, and she shares that it did not happen overnight. Um, There were years where she, you know, struggled or fought through various copyright issues with lawyers and really had to battle to get this thing off the ground. So for anyone out there thinking that this is an overnight success, you know, you can look at her online or on Instagram, and it looks like everything is just great, but she is behind the scenes working so, so, so hard. And she shares about how she kind of, you know, keeps her head above water and how she keeps pedaling through all of the trials and tribulations that it takes to run a brand. Um, She talks about some great and amazing partnerships she's been able to build with big companies to help gain more exposure and all the things that she's done to to build and grow her business over the years. So I know you guys are all going to love this. And if you have any interest in or are working on your own brand, this is definitely a must listen episode. If you think someone else out there, if you have a friend out there, an industry contact that you think would enjoy this episode, do them a favor and send it to them. Stop the episode right now and send them a quick text or email and let them know, hey, I've been listening to this podcast called The Successful Fashion Designer. I think you would enjoy it. Here's a great episode for you to listen to. I know they will appreciate it. I appreciate it. Um, it's the best thing you can do to help spread the word about the podcast and get this content out to more listeners out there. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate your help in sharing this. Now on to the interview with Nadia. As always, to access the show notes for today's episode, visit sfdnetwork.com slash 65. Welcome, Nadia, to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. Um, Can you start out with a quick introduction of who you are and what you do in the fashion slash textile slash artistic industry? I'll let you you talk about it, how you want to talk about it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so, um, yeah, my name's Nadia, and um, I I would cross myself, I suppose, as a woven textile artist. And what I'm doing here in London, I suppose, is um, I'm really interested in the idea of unseen patterns, especially those with sound. Um, And um, what I'm trying to do here is um, by using uh, 
technology tools or digital technology is to um, be able to play with something like sound, something that's intangible and um, ethereal, and to be able to create um, patterns from it, uh, which then can fuse with the, tech, uh, the textiles world, which is also um, pattern. And I'm really interested in how that then becomes a part of an interior space or could then be um, a fabric that you could potentially wear. Um, and when I started out, it was very much about music. So because I'm a massive, massive music lover myself and I, my old career actually was in music. Um, and uh, I've had many of those moments where I've been on the dance floor and had the most amazing time and those special times of my life um but also those sort of songs that you hear that you love so much you just can't play enough and you, you feel like you want to grab it or touch it or hold on to it but it's just there's nothing there to um to sort of um uh, materialize i suppose so i thought it'd be really nice to be able to create something tangible and um some music and allow it to come into our lives in a physical way, but um, in a beautiful way at the same time, so we can allow it to become part of our design world um, and part of our surroundings. So that's what I'm doing at the moment in London. Um, it's quite experimental um, and it's evolving um, always. So, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm doing. Okay, so, I mean, it's it's a very visual thing, so I'll definitely show a bunch of pictures in the show notes, and everybody listening, you should check out Nadia's site, um, which will be linked in the show notes, because it's you really kind of have to see it firsthand, but in to, to kind of explain it, if hopefully I don't do too bad of a job, but you essentially are taking, like, the sound waves and then turning them into um, woven patterns and repeat and they're being woven into into textiles more or less yeah 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 i mean more or less so we're looking at the idea of a sound wave as being a visual a type of visual form of sound but um when i looked at the sound wave um i, I sound waves can be really ugly i think Pers mm. that's my personal opinion, <laughs> opinion. And, and when i was at um university studying to be a designer i sort of thought well how can we make it look good um and i after I spoke to um, coders and music producers that were very much interested in visualizing sound, we started looking at um, the idea of sort of zooming into a sound wave with a magnifying glass, like what patterns would you be happening? What would be happening within that sound wave? So in a way, like when you zoom in with a, to a normal photograph, you're zooming in and seeing all the pixels that are, ha are happening within it to make it the final image. That's kind of what we're doing with Beatwave, and we're looking at all the pixels inside it to see all the patternings, patterns that you don't see. So um, it's kind of the idea of a sound wave, but um, looking at it in a more intricate um, detail. And when you play the music um, in the software, um, you could actually see every sound that you see and um, every sound that you can hear you can see playing it's mm. quite hypnotic that's mm. really cool so how like okay so you made a comment when you were in design school at university so is this did you go to fashion school um i went to it was textiles, textiles. degree in textiles so okay. yeah um 
but it, and, it, and it was uh, Central St. Martin's, which is a fashion school. It's art and fashion, I suppose. Yeah, Central yeah. St. Martin's. I'm, I think probably a lot of the listeners have heard of that. Um, so it sounds like it started there, but you did a lot of collaboration with, like you said, coders and software engineers and musicians. And am I... Did I read right on your website? You guys created like a proprietary or or some type of software that was the first software of its kind to sort of do what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. So I was the I was the visual person, and I was the I was the concept person. So I I already understood about music being passion, um, and I was also studying weaving, um, and. Um, and I understood that math, uh, that music was very mathematical, and there was um, a science behind it. So it's not necessarily about you know what you hear; it's 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 the sounds, the sequence of the sounds that are created uh, within the music. There's a lot of science behind it, um, and you know, weaving is very uh, structural and scientific and mathematical as well. Um, and I used to find that when I was throwing my loom up, I was counting in the the same counts as what I would do when I was learning a dance routine to music. Mm. Um, and the numbers were the same. So I was like, oh, this is really strange, you know. So um, I was sort of the conceptual person and I was also sort of the visual person. And um, I worked with a coder then to, um, to, to know how we could build a software that would work, that would link directly with weaving um, and sort of dissecting the process of uh, digital weaving and weaving to design this software that, yeah, was sort of first of its kind, really. Um, it's quite basic, really, now, but in those, it, this is back in 2008, so um, back then it was quite something uh, different. Yeah. Um, yes. Okay, so um, so this this all started about a decade ago, and so you've done like mm-hmm. quite a bit since then. Um, I have a couple like kind of specific granular questions for for those um, textile and sort of fashion nerds out there listening. I'm really curious to know like where do you look at the repeat happening? Are you taking like a snippet of the chorus, or do you just kind of go visually, or like where where and how do you kind of decide where the repeat is um, from the 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 visual you yeah. get from the sound wave into the textile yeah so um some of them are literal some of them are um i, I woven whole i've done a whole song that was like five and a half meters long but oh wow um <laughs> yeah i mean it really depends on the project really because i have worked with projects where the client has wanted a particular part of the song so we stuck with that um and then yeah that's more of a literal um pattern but then I'm really interested in that idea of playing with the pattern and repeating it, as you said. So I would um, look at it as a visual form, really, and then um, dissect out the, the interesting visual parts within it to create interesting repeat patterns that I think will visually look good. And um, usually they come from the chorus. Um, it's just usually the way it is. Um, but, you know, or sometimes it will be a specific... Um, if there's a certain lyric in the song, or there's a like there's a there's a part of the song that's sort of renowned for being the best part of the song, and it looks good, then I would use that part as well. Um, and it just really depends on um, the actual patterns that are being created um, yeah. with where I decide where how to create the repeats. Yeah. So it goes from being sort of audio. Um, um, and some of them go from audio to being very visual and how I could make it look 
good okay. for an interior, for a design application. Yeah. Because we want it to look good, don't we, if it's, uh, <laughs> it's going to be something we wear or something we have in, the, in our home or something like that. Um, yeah. I suppose that's what my job is, really. Is yeah. to, to take this song and turn it into a sound wave and then figure out how to kind of like chop it up and repeat it so it's aesthetically pleasing but also has this really cool connection to the original song. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't change any of the... So all of the um, proportions have to stay the same because okay. if I dissect, yeah, if I if I disproportionately scale or if I change any of the actual squares in any way, then in essence I'm changing the sound. Okay. So I can't do that. I'm very strict with that um, yeah. because it's all... it's all. Otherwise it would just sort of defeat what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I'm quite strict with making sure that proportionally everything is the same um it's just how you can use sections in repeat to make other patterns yeah Mm. and what's your process for picking colors i know on your website you've got quite a few pictures um you know with pantone books and swatches and stuff and so you know how do you go about that does that have some connection to the original song like maybe a color feeling you get are you really looking at that just from a pure design perspective yeah, so again, it depends on the project, but in, if I was creating um, designs, what I would call coming from me for my collection or doing something um, quite bespoke that was quite freely my own choice, mm-hmm. then what I would do is I would play the music or the sound over and over and over and over and over again. I'd probably do it for a few days so that I really start to get a feeling for um, for the music or for for the sound and then I just get a sense of texture and color and um how that sounds or piece of music makes me feel mm-hmm. how I would then interpret that into um color and texture mm. so I will then go in and then I'll get a feel for it I'll go in look through on the catwalk, I will look at architecture, I will look at interiors, I will look at different texture, textile textures, like anything that I think visually could like interpret what I'm feeling and then pull like a mood board together and then that helps me get a bit of more of a structured feeling for um, the colour and the texture and then I'll just keep now and then I'll just eventually narrow it down until I feel like the selection I've made is the right choice yeah Um, but so it's a very personal thing to me but I I kind of realised actually from (laughs) from by accident um, from um, discovering sort of woven in it when I was at university I went in to study something called synesthesia um which is I don't know if you've ever heard of it but it's it's a condition that people have when they hear sounds or music they see colors mm. um and different notes associated with different colors um and I sort of always had something um where I could hear things and I would see visual um, images or um, or get a sense of get a get a bit of a feeling for a sound or a piece of music, and I suppose my way of expressing that is through textiles, is through texture in in color, and I because I trained as a dancer originally, I've danced since I was really small, and I suppose that was my way then of expressing music, but it, like through movement. Yeah. Whereas now I've gone into a way of expressing it through textiles. Yeah. I suppose. 
Does it ever make you crazy listening to the same song for a couple of days? I've done that experiment before where people say like, oh, if you listen to one song on... <laughs> no, seriously. It's like if you listen to one song on repeat, you're supposed to be like super, super productive. And I tried it and it made me totally crazy. I couldn't do it. I did it for like three hours and I was like, this is too much. Uh, <laughs> no, I have never... I've never had that problem. I mean, if I listen to it again and again and again, and then I put it to one side. Yeah. And then it would be usually on my iPhone when I'm getting, like, walking down the road or getting yeah. on the tube or getting on the train. Um, and then I would listen to it when I'm going for a run or something like that. And then, luckily enough, I haven't had a song yet okay. that I haven't really not liked. I've been, I like, I like all different types of music. So. Yeah. I haven't had anything that's got on my nerves just yet, but you never know. Yeah, okay, <laughs> I hope know. I didn't just now plant that, that seed, it, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that is fine. Um, okay, can you, um, can you talk a little bit about the production of the textiles? I, I know you guys um, do all your weaving at one of the last remaining English silk weaving mills in the UK, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about like um, the importance of that to you yeah. and and how that all got started? Um, yeah, so I, one of, well, one of my main things as well is quality. So I really want um, um, the product or the um, the fabrics to be beautifully made. Um, I just want I just want them to be really special because I think being able to weave music into fabric is a pretty special thing and and I want them to sort of represent that that idea and make people I want them to make people feel really good in their lives you know Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's them having them in their homes or wearing these fabrics so like so craftsmanship and quality has been really really important to me um and one of the the meals that we're working with um is based in a little town in Sudbury um, it's really cute, um, and that's sort of in where is that southwest, southeast, southeast of the UK, and it's been going since 1740. Wow. Which, um, yeah, yeah. I, I I only realised when I told um, I was given a presentation in front of a group of Americans, and one of them said, "That's older than the United States of America." I was like, <laughs> "Wow, I didn't even think about that." Yeah. He was like, "That's pretty impressive." Um, so the craftsmanship behind in this meal is just unbelievable. So you know, it's um, it's got through every single challenge so far that it's ever been thrown. Um, so it's pretty impressive. Uh, that is still going um and they've been great they've been working with me um from the very start and um from the very start i was you know it was more of an experiment just really playing with the patterns and structures and finding out what was working what wasn't working and scale and different arms that you could use and i knew what i wanted it to look like it wasn't quite coming out how i wanted it to look like so there was like lots of toing and froing for quite a while and they were really patient with me mm. um so I do all the designing and the colors and I know exactly what structures, you know, I use and everything. So I do everything here and then they literally just uh, make it with me uh, for me. I, I usually source my own yarns as well. Um, and they make it because they have amazing jacquard looms. And the, the only way that the software works is if it's um, paired with a jacquard loom mm. been designed for a jacquard rather than a hand loom mm-hmm. um so um so yeah they they, they weave for alexander mcqueen burberry um 
and you go there and it's like you want to spend all day there it's mm. and you have an archive library and it's just like hundreds of years of books wow. um, of archive patterns and you can see like how they used to design fabrics 200 years ago it was all very there's no such thing as computers everything was all hand drawn and the intricacy of the drawings and how they used to um, paint everything by hand, all the different colours. Um, so you can really see the, the change from analogue to, to digital. Um, yeah. And they have every single design they have a log in their archive for. And a lot of those designs are older than the United States itself. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is so cool. I bet it's like just such a magical experience even walking into that building. Yeah, it is. It yeah, is. That's yeah. That's really cool. Um, so how okay, so you've mentioned a couple times that it really started out as like an experimental thing when you were in at university. How I mean, here we are ten years later. I know you've done some really awesome partnerships with like ABC Carpet and Home in New York City, which one of my favorite stores. Um, I used to live not too far from there, and it is such a fabulous place. Um, and you have partnered with them and are doing some, I think, some throw pillows and stuff. And so can you talk a little bit about how you took this thing that started out as like a, a university experimentation project or experimental project and have now kind of commercialized it and turned it into a biz? I mean, here we are 10 years later, and and you're you're running full force with this thing. Can you talk a little bit about like what that transition was like and what you did and how you yeah. grew everything? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so the idea came to me as I said in 2008, um, and I graduated with the project in 2009. And um, I kind of knew when the idea sort of it struck it struck me like a lightning bolt. <laughs> I kind of knew it was something that had legs, but mm. I didn't quite realise what they were. Um, so when I graduated, I, I, I actually worked in fashion for a couple of years as a designer okay. um, for Arcadia Group. So high, high Street Fashion, Arcadia Group. I don't know if you know them. They own Topshop yep. um, and a lot of the high street stores. Um, and But actually those two years of not working with Deep Woven was a really good thing because it gave me a time for reflection. And also it gave me experience working within fashion to really see that I could see a really good gap for new and exciting ideas when it came to fabrics, mm. woven fabrics especially, so and pattern. And I could see, I can remember at those times, it was like Balmain. Uh, Balmain had just, um, just launched, and he was doing these amazing catwalk shows with like metallic sort of tailored suits and these amazing sort of Baroque patterns. And I was like, oh, you know, I could really imagine my my fabrics on the catwalk, you know. Yeah. Um, and I was, and then, and then I was. People were like approaching me to do exhibitions and do panel talks about my work, and the, and I was being contacted by journalists and all these things. And you know, I was, I was sort of taken aback by it really because I didn't have a lot of experience. I just wait, sort of went with it. I yeah, like, like, like where yeah, were I'm all these opportunities? <laughs> wait, where were all these opportunities coming? Like, were they just finding your website, or like, how did they? How are you getting all this contact? So through university, actually. Oh, okay. Um, so through Central St. Martins, they're really pretty amazing um, with alumni that have just graduated. And I think if you, you know, if you work, because I worked really, really hard and they could see how hard I worked, but I'd also had something that was of interest, then they would be contacted by people and oh. then they would recommend. So they were recommending me, my my weave tutor, Philippa Brock, who was, she's amazing. She was 
emailing me and, and recommending me. And so I was being contacted by all these different people. Okay, okay. <laughs> so I'm like, most people would kill for, for these, these, most people kill for these opportunities. And you're like, they just started happening. <laughs> yeah, they just started, you know. Yeah. Um, and um, so, and then one of the main um, exhibitions we did, it was um, a collaborative exhibition at the V&A with St. Martin's. Um, and, you know, after that, I thought, you know, this, I, I, I really want to do this. I think there's something here. And then in 2012, because we were in a recession, um, in 2012, I was made redundant at work one day. Mm-hmm. And I thought, so then I was like, well, I need to find, either find another job or, um, or start up Beatwoven as, as my practice. So I applied for this opportunity. Um, it was something called the Cloth Workers Foundation Award. It's a guild. It's been going in the UK since. 1100s um supporting uh, fabric and cloth making in the uk and they support um weavers uh, trying to start out and they were offering uh, to buy the equipment and offer a studio space and give like business support to six weavers um and i applied for that and i managed to get that so, wow. so that basically started me off yeah. And it was really great because it was partnered with um, an organization called the Cockpit Arts in London, which is a, which is a designer maker incubator. And they take um, craftspeople uh, with good ideas and with good practices to help support them while they start up um, a business because they understand that it's really hard in the first five years, um, especially if it's a creative one and mm-hmm. it's a craft. So they kind of hold your hand and help with things like finance and taxes and business planning and raising finance um and one of the main things for me was I had no money literally I was in big debt um I didn't have any money at all so I had to raise the money myself to get going which took you know a few years um and I just applied for fundings and awards and um slowly you know slowly and surely just kind of got me got me going and um i then did a big two-year research and development project um researching uh with my own lawyer um, through an award i was working with my own legal research lawyer on the question of using copyrighted music and how i could take sound wave patterns that are directly linked to music and then put them into the market recommercialize them and put them into the marketplace um you know, where the boundaries lie between copyrights and trademarks and stuff. So it was it was a really boring time, but I'm really glad that I did it. Um, and then I, by, once I sort of had researched that area, I then had the confidence to take it to market. So I didn't go to market until 2014. Okay. So it was it was a lot bubbling under the surface. So you... Background yeah, yeah. And that's so interesting because I didn't even think about the copyright part of it, but... Like what? Can you talk a little bit about what you found out? I mean, clearly something's okay I mean, to do. It's, How it's, much do you have to distort it? Yeah, it's it's seriously like a gray area. And what what I realized is, you know, from the, from the journey is that what's happening with technology um, back then it's probably it's evolved a hell of a lot more now. But in 2012, um, was you were finding people that were coming across this, these new ideas through technology and it was affecting it was, it was actually affecting licensing laws and legal side of things so what comes with new ideas and technology actually helps push boundaries in, in the legal sense as well um, and um, 
and it's basically i mean um a lot of the a lot of the work actually is is is, is still quite far removed from it literally you know being song playing sure um but in terms of the the copyright of the trademarks of the song um for me to sell something as that's um i don't know sound and vision by david bowie um i would be infringing on trademarks because his his name would have been trademarked and i i'm passing off um i'm passing off a my own work through the success of another artist so i have to be very careful so you have to be very careful with those things so things like the words that you use because to help you know to help promote my stuff because i could say inspired by but that was too vague because it's not inspired by it's the patterns are literally the notes and the sounds of the music playing yeah um so it is still a bit of a gray area but it's not really going to be um a problem um unless unless i you know i don't i'm just not careful so for example uh, the david bowie projects that i did um, with Harrods last year, I collaborated with Warner Music, Fire Pit Tech, and the David Bowie Estate, and we um, we actually signed a licensing deal um, with that project because I was promoting and selling the fabrics and the art piece as Let's Dance David Bowie because it literally was that song yeah. in a visual form, in a visual representation, my representation of that song, but the patterns were still from that song. Um, and that was the first time a licensing deal has ever been made with the music industry and we them. Wow, congratulations, <laughs> so, um, that's really cool. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, not to mention David Bowie. So, yeah. Um, you know, and he wrote Sound and Vision, David Bowie. It's all about what if I could see sound back in the late 70s. So, you know, um, that, that's, it, it, was, it was a really interesting project that I did. It was really frustrating at the time because as a creative person, I had to learn. I was, I was communicating with a lawyer. So <laughs> the words that he was using, I was like, I don't, I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> you know? So I had to, like, really learn fast you know but he was great i mean my lawyer that i, I worked with he was very patient yeah. and he's very down to earth so he kind of helped me a lot and then i did a i did an event with warner music uk and because one of my biggest fears was that i'd be presenting my work and then a publisher from a massive record company would come up to me and be like what are you doing you can't do this this is you know you need to pay royalties or this oh, and i yeah. didn't want to stand there on the stand being like um, oh God, really? Oh, I don't really know. I don't what, even you know, know. I want yeah. <laughs> to know my stuff. Yeah, and then um, so I did an event with Warner Music and the publishers um, and, and the director of legal of Warner Music were on the sort of dissecting my work, you know, asking me all these complicated questions. But because I'd invested that time with my lawyer, mm. um, we wrote a legal document on it. We, I actually knew more than, than they did. So I <laughs> was very much, it was very much a conversation where I had to be very careful how I was saying what I was saying, because I didn't want to make it, I didn't want to sound arrogant, but I was able to, any question they asked me, I was able to turn it around in a way that, you know, this is actually an opportunity for the both of us because we could work together Um because um, I understand that for them, they're looking at new ways of making royalty. Yeah. Um, because because 
yeah, streaming and all the things about royalties and in music sales is depleting by the second. So they're now working with tech music companies now. I think with new ways and get small royalties from new ideas with music um, through technology. So it was a pretty cool experience, actually. That is really, really cool. cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's so cool. I never really thought about the, the trademark thing, but um, yeah, that that must have been quite a process to go through. I'm curious, can you talk a little bit about, like, for example, the collaboration with Harrods that you did with the David Bowie song? Like, talk a little bit about, you know, what was that? Te- like, you created the textile, and then what was it actually used for? And like, how, and, and, and I know you did, I think, maybe something similar with ABC Carpet and Home in New York City, or I don't know if it was different, but like, um, talk, give us a little visual of like, what happens with the textiles? You create them and then they get turned into, like you said, I mean, home furnishings and perhaps garments. But can you talk a little bit about some of those projects and give us a better visual of what that looks like and what your role in the design process of the finished product may or may not be? Yeah, sure. So um, so Harrods, I've been working with Harrods for a few years um, and they've been great supporters of mine. And um, it uh, I, my fabrics are in their fabric library on the third floor and I sell them like pillows. Um, and they they heard that I um, was commissioned to weave sound and vision to commemorate David Bowie by Warner Music. And they were doing a project called Art Partners where they were looking at brands within the store, but they wanted these brands to be doing really cool and new, exciting things with um, in collaboration with something completely different. Mm. So they were working with like Lee Broom, um, who's quite famous. I don't know if you know Lee Broom. He does the, he's like an artist that does, um, they look like they're porcelain inflatable uh, balloon dogs. And they, he oh, does them in yeah. all these bright colours. He colors. had a big installation in New York City. I'm very familiar now that you say what it is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So they, there were some really cool brands doing really cool things with artists. And, um, and they asked me, they said, uh, would you be willing to do a collaboration with Warner Music and the David Bowie Estate and create something specifically for Harrods so that we, in commemoration of David Bowie. Yeah. Um, so this is, this is late for 2016. Um, so I then went back to Warner Music and presented the idea and um, they were amazing. Um, um, connected with the David Bowie Estate and it was approved. And then we had to choose a song and we chose Let's Dance because Let's Dance um, it's one of my favourite David Bowie songs, but also um, I used to be a dancer, trained dancer, so we thought that that would be a nice song to, to focus on because it represented me um, as well. Um, and then I created the main piece was an art piece, so it was a two metre, ten centimetres long um, and 70 centimetres wide, and now I'm speaking in metres and centimetres. I'm not sure what it is in inches, um, <laughs> I'm afraid. But... Um, uh, and it was a framed art piece that was then in the window of Harrods on the Brompton Road. Mm. So they did like an exhibition in their window of all the different collaborated, collaborative projects with the artists and brands. Um, and it was the literal pattern of the song. It was half the song, it wasn't the full song. Um, and I pulled a project together uh, for that and worked on the colours and the textures and yarns. They were pretty free freeing with what i was allowed to do mm. so 
that was great and I really loved that piece and then um, off the back of that we made a bespoke collection limited collection limited edition collection of um, let's dance woven big pillows um, they're like kind of art pieces but they're, they're pillows and they'd be an interpretation of a section of song and then they were sold in the store specifically around this time um of them it was in april last year april 2017 okay to yeah. may 2017 um and then the fabric was sold uh two meter for interior design projects but it was a limited edition run so that was the let's dance uh project really and um uh with david bowie um and then with ABC, it was a little bit different, their project, because um, when I first met ABC, it was back in 2015 in New York, and um, they discovered, we discovered each other at ICFF, at the International Contemporary Furniture Fair, yeah. and when the buyer saw my work, she totally got it straight away, um, and when I went onto the website of ABC when I got home, I was like, oh my God, their brand values or their ethos around the brand of ABC is completely what I do, yeah. you know. So they, we, we kind of really connected on that level. And straight away, the buyer was like, could you do the love frequency? And I was like, what's the love frequency? And she was like, you know, the 528 hertz, you know, when you meditate, you meditate and the frequency of 528 hertz is the frequency of love and you attract more love into your life through this frequency and I was like wow no she said one day we'll do this project the love frequency um so um so they started buying my work for the store back in 2015 but in 2017 we started the love frequency project so it was a commission project um, and then they did a special event in store where they recorded the heartbeats of um, the customers going into the store and they collected quite a few heartbeats and then they gave the heartbeats to a sound engineer, a sound producer, and they made a song from them. Wow. Uh, yeah, so they gave, which was called I Am Love. So um, they then commissioned me to work with the Love Frequency and create one design. And then I worked with the I Am Love song and create another design. Um, and it was quite a cool little special project. And they were launched for Valentine's Day. Just this year of 2018, right? 2000 and 2018. Oh, yeah, sorry, my mistake. Or so the, actually the project was 2018, not 2017. Or yeah. well, it, it launched in February of 2018 for Valentine's because I feel like I just saw it come through your Instagram. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool yeah. how that all came together. Um, yeah, really, really, it just. Yeah, and there's it's just really cool when you like kind of dig into the real meaning behind it and the you follow the whole path of like where it really started, you know, with the collaboration of like capturing the customer heartbeats and then turning that into a song and then turning that into a textile and then turning that into, you know, it's just it's there's so many cool pieces of, of the process. Um I'd be curious, can you tell us a little bit about um some of the ways that, that your textiles are used in um the fashion space? Are you creating pieces or are you collaborating or are people buying your textiles and turning it into stuff? So one of the one of the um one of the challenges that I had to face starting out was um was whether I was going to focus on interiors or fashion mm. because I couldn't do the both because the fashion production line would be completely different to an interiors one, yeah. and I was on my own to start 
sort of raising money and funds. So um, we decided to focus on the art interior-based industry. However, the fabrics are an amazing fashion fabric, and I've trialed some fashion pieces just for myself, just to trial, um, like, what they look like, yeah. as, you know, as garments. Um, but I actually haven't done anything professionally with fashion just yet. So what I'm wanting to do is do like a big, the, the, fir- the first thing I'd want to do is do a collaboration with um, a, a fashion designer. Um, I was in talks with a fashion designer in LA, um, um, but, um, you know, and actually that's, that's, that that could still happen that that project, but it just hasn't manifested just yet. Yeah. So, um, so but it's definitely on the agenda yeah, for sure. That's really <laughs> cool. Um, and then you do sell. So you have your the white label, which is where you sell um, small quantities of your textiles. Um, who do you see those going to? Are they going to people that are just wanting to make a one-off thing for themselves, or where do you see that really going? Um, so that's for like that's for the interior design market. So okay. uh, it's mainly trades that buy those. Oh, so gotcha. Interior, de- yeah. So interior designers who are doing um, projects, uh, all different types of interior design projects. Um, they've been bought for drapes. They've been used. Uh, one of my designs has been used for fabric walling. It's covered. Um, the interior of a room um, which is based on music Um, and yeah it's um, it's it's for the interior design trade but I mean yeah anybody can buy it really but it's it's mainly trade that are wanting to use it for their project Yeah. yeah gotcha that's so cool. Um, you guys have to really check out um, Nadia's website because the the audio version of this does not do it much justice. You've really got to see it um, in person, um, at least photographs. Um, on that note, Nadia, can you share where everybody can find you online and see all the work that you're doing? Sure. So it's um, my website is www.beatsroven dot uk beat woven like the beat of the music and woven like woven textile yes. <laughs> and and um, yeah it's uh, it needs a little, it needs a little updating because I've been so busy but we're in the process of updating it so um, okay. but it's still a good place to go um, for now but yeah. maybe revisit again in a few months because we'll be getting a whole new website okay awesome it's but really for now exciting. there's some there's some great photos and you've got a couple of videos kind of showing some of the behind the scenes process of the the yeah. weaving, which is very cool yeah. yeah but instagram is a really my instagram page is a really good place to see what's going on okay. more on a daily basis and you can really get to see also um a lot of the designs so my handle for instagram is at beatwoven Awesome. Awesome. I will link to both of those in the show notes. Um, I would love to end with the question I ask everybody at the end of the interview. Um, I'll rephrase it a little bit for you. Um, I, I typically ask in a fashion sense, I'll ask in a textile sense. Um, but what is it? Uh, what is one thing that people never ask you about working as a textile designer that you wish they would? Probably... People always like to ask me sort of the generic questions and so um, the sort of questions that trigger 
the really positive responses. Um, but they never really seem to ask what it's actually like <laughs> mm. starting up a textiles um, brand, I suppose. Yeah. Um, because people always see on social media and um, Instagram how amazing it is and how wonderful it is. And it, and it is on so many levels. But on the other side of things, um, people people never really ask really what's going on behind behind the scenes because <laughs> I always like to compare it as like a swan, you know, like when you want, you see swans swimming on on the water and they're just they look so graceful and beautiful from the surface, but they're paddling like crazy underneath. <laughs> it's kind of a little bit. It's a little bit like that, you know, when people have been following you on Instagram and they're, oh my God, it's amazing and you're doing so well. And you, and you've really, you know, been like working 18 hours a day for the last seven days, you know, hardly any sleep. And they never really ask you sort of what, what is actually the amount of hard work that goes into um, what we do, I suppose. So I would think that that was, that was one of the things that never really comes up. Yeah. Well, you yeah. made the comment earlier that, like, you know, in university, you were you were very clearly hard worker and driven, and and your teachers there remembered that and and thought of you. And um, I mean, it, it's it's pretty clear from the successes that you've had and what you've built that a lot of effort goes into it. But it's also really good to talk about that because I think some people who maybe don't naturally have that type of a um, work ethic or driver, you know, I don't want to have that come off anyway negative, but I think, um, like you said, from the surface, it can look like, oh, look, she just made it happen. Poof, it magically happened. And you're like, no, yes, not really. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because I think some people think that it happens overnight and they don't really see the process. Like, you know, that it's actually taken me, and, you know, it took me how many years to take it to market and then yeah. it took me another four years to get to this point and there's been times where I've been like I can't do this anymore yeah. I, you know there's been so many sacrifices and whatever and I've actually had to do um a lot of um work that's not even related to textiles on myself like self-development making sure I'm reading the right books I'm staying positive and that I'm growing myself and evolving mm. myself to being the best version of myself to keep the business evolving and moving all the time and not giving up you know what I mean so there's a lot of other things that go on behind the scenes that people never know about which I think is really like important to share with people because um because when people know that they know that if they're starting their own project or their own brand or their own you know being an entrepreneur that when they come up against a struggle they they just think that you know oh my god this is it but actually sometimes they're just um, challenges that once you get over it just you know, takes you to the next level and just not to give up, I suppose. Yeah, because so there's going to be more that of that. never gets mentioned. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. No, it's always good to talk about the realities of what does go in behind the scenes and how long things take. I mean, in, in my head, even when we first started this conversation, you say, oh, it started in 2008 as an experimental process at, at, at college, but then you had two years of working in, in the fashion industry, and then you had like a year of just talking to a lawyer, and then there's all these things that just take, they do take time, and even if on the surface it looks overnight, it never really is. So thank you for sharing that yeah. honest truth. Um, and I think it's good for people out there to hear that um, so that they know that, yeah, sometimes it takes time and there's hurdles and you get over them and you keep going. So, yes. Awesome. Thank you so much yes. for chatting with me today, Nadia. It was really, really great to connect with you. Um, and uh, I really appreciate you your time. Yeah, lovely. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. I really appreciate each and every one of you. Again, if you haven't yet, take a second and share this episode or one of your other favorite episodes with someone you know who is working in the industry or wants to get into the industry. I hear so often from people how much they love the show and they wish they would have discovered it so long ago. So do them a favor and help them discover it sooner. I know they'll be grateful and I will be grateful. It's really the best thing you can do to help me out and help the show out and help out all those other people out there that want content and resources and help and support in making it in this industry. I really, really appreciate it, and I know they will too. As always, if you'd like to learn more about any of the resources mentioned in this episode, visit the show notes at sfdnetwork.com slash 65. Thank you so much, and I will talk to you in the next Successful Fashion Designer Podcast episode. So I'm reading the right books, I'm staying positive and that I'm growing myself and evolving mm. myself and being the best version of myself to keep the business evolving and moving all the time and not giving up, you know what I mean? Mm. So yeah. there's a lot of other things that go on behind the scenes that people never know about, which I think is really like, important to share with people because, um, because when people know that, they know that if they're starting their own project or their own brand or their own, you know, being an entrepreneur that when they come up against a struggle, they they just think that, you know, oh my God, this is it. But actually sometimes they're just um, challenges that once you get over it, just, you know, takes you to the next level and just not to give up, I suppose. Yeah, because so there's going to be more of it. that never gets mentioned. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. No, it's always good to talk about the realities of what does go in behind the scenes and how long things take. I mean, in in my head, even when we first started this conversation, you say, oh, it started in 2008 as an experimental process at, at, at college. But then you had two years of working in, in the fashion industry. And then you had like a year of just talking to a lawyer. And then there's all these things that just take they do take time. And even if on the surface, it looks overnight, it never really is. So thank you for sharing that yeah. honest truth. Um, and I think it's good for people out there to hear that um, so that they know that, yeah, sometimes it takes time and there's hurdles and you get over them and you keep going. So, yes. Awesome. Thank you so much yes. for chatting with me today, Nadia. It was really, really great to connect with you. Um, and uh, I really appreciate you your time. Yeah. Lovely. Thank you so much for listening to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. I really appreciate each and every one of you. Again, if you haven't yet, take a second and share this episode or one of your other favorite episodes with someone you know who is working in the industry or wants to get into the industry. I hear so often from people how much they love the show and they wish they would have discovered it so long ago. So do them a favor and help them discover it sooner. I know they'll be grateful and I will be grateful. It's really the best thing you can do to help me out and help the show out and help out all those other people out there that want content and resources and help and support in making it in this industry. I really, really appreciate it, and I know they will too. As always, if you'd like to learn more about any of the resources mentioned in this episode, visit the show notes at sfdnetwork.com slash 65. Thank you so much, and I will talk to you in the next Successful Fashion Designer Podcast episode.